I want you to take your Bibles there and your hot rods. If you've got them, I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. And today we're going to talk about sawdust and fence posts. Sawdust and fence posts. And we're going to see what he's got to say to us. Matthew chapter 7. Talking about sawdust and fence posts today. Simple message. All righty. Everybody got your Bibles. Are we ready? Here we go. Matthew chapter 7. Let's read together verses 1 through 5. The Bible said this. Judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you use, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck out of your eye, and look, there is a plank in your eye. Hypocrite, first, first, remove the plank from your own eye, and then you can see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I believe there's a, there's a great message and a great healing in this thing today. So we're going to look at four simple truths from Scripture. The first thing we've got to ask is, does the Bible contradict itself? Because some of you caught that right off the bat. Does the Bible contradict itself? Because in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, and I've, I've, seen, I've heard people quote this. The Bible said this, do not judge, do not judge. And we love to quote that when we do things wrong. Because we don't want anybody judging us. But let me ask you this. What about Matthew, from Matthew 7, what about John 7, 24, where Jesus said this. Jesus said, judge with a righteous judgment. What does the Bible contradict itself? Because in Matthew 7, 1, Jesus said, do not judge. In John 7, 24, Jesus said, judge with a righteous judgment. No, it doesn't contradict itself. The, the words give us the meaning here. In John 7, 24, when Jesus said, judge with a righteous judgment, the word is discern. Discern things correctly by the Bible. Look at things and let the Bible tell you what the truth is. But what we see in Matthew chapter 7 where Jesus said, judge not, it's better understand the word judge uh, translated properly in our language would be the word condemn or criticize. So Jesus said, do not criticize people because if you criticize people, it'll be brought back to you. So it's the word criticize or condemn. It's to assault people for what they've done. And the scripture teaches that if we do that, we're going to have a problem. All right, the second thing I want to see is <clears throat> look with a critical eye. Literally, the phrase says, do not look at people with a critical eye. And we all look at people in different ways and judge people. But the Bible said, don't do that. And it boils down to this. Jesus is speaking here of what we call a critical spirit. A critical spirit. Listen, dear ones, a critical spirit has engulfed our land. And a critical spirit is destroying our land. Jesus said in this, in Galatians, he said, you be careful. If you develop a critical spirit and you bite and devour one another, you will be destroyed by one another. And that critical spirit that's engulfed our land is destroying us. This, listen, this is the difference. I'm going to cut to the chase here. This is the difference between Jesus Christ and dead religion. Religion is a critical spirit. Jesus is a living spirit. And I want you to see the difference. I want to take a little time in Scripture and show you this. Turn with me in your Bible to Mark chapter 3. Turn to the right a little bit to Mark chapter 3. We're going to look at a couple of situations here. Now in Mark chapter 3, 
Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with this if you know the Bible at all. All through the Bible, Jesus wrestled with religious leaders. They criticized him. There was a war between Jesus and the religious leaders of his day. I'm convinced there's a war between Jesus and the religious leaders of this day. And I want to show you the outstanding trait of religion in the scripture for just a minute. In Mark chapter 3, you see this picture right here. Mark 3, 1, the Bible said, Jesus entered the church, the synagogue. A man was there who had a deformed hand. So Jesus goes in the church and there's a man who has a deformed hand. I watch what the Bible said about the ministers. And they watched him closely whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might criticize him or accuse him. Got it? But you got Jesus comes into the church. There's a man there with a, a withered, deformed hand. Nobody seemed to be concerned about the man's hand. Nobody seemed to be concerned that the man needed help. They had a rule that you couldn't work on the Sabbath. And they said, if Jesus heals, that's work. And if Jesus breaks our religious law, so instead of caring about the man's need, they're watching Jesus. They're looking for something to criticize him for. Listen, that's a critical spirit. You're always looking for something to criticize people for. You're looking for something to be wrong with people. And this is why, of course, Jesus went on to heal the man. And uh, let's read a little bit further here. Jesus said to the man who had the withered hand, he said, come up here. And he who had the withered hand came up there. And Jesus said, it, it, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath? Is, is it okay to help people? It, is it lawful to do good or to kill people? He said, is this about keeping a bunch of silly little religious rules or is this about helping people? And the Bible said they did not answer him. Now watch verse five says this. And Jesus looked around at them with anger, anger being grieved by what? How hard their hearts were. You got a man here with a withered hand. He needs help. They weren't interested in helping people. They were just looking for some nitpicky rule to be broken so they could criticize whoever broke the rule. Do you understand this? That's a critical religious spirit that's always looking for some little nitpicky something wrong so you can criticize, but it's looking for it. I want you to turn a few pages to the right to Mark chapter 7. If you'll turn with me to Mark chapter 7. All right, in Mark chapter 7, see the same situation. All right. How many of you know that mama said, wash your hands before you eat suppers? Everybody remember that. that I think that's the 11th commandment. Apparently it was with them. All right, you got a situation. Verse 7, then the ministers, the Pharisees, and some of the scribes, that's ministers also, came together to Jesus, having come from Jerusalem, when they saw that some of his disciples ate lunch with defiled, unwashed hands. What'd they do? They found fault. All right, they come to see Jesus. They weren't coming to hear good news. They were coming to catch him. And uh, they noticed that when the boys sat down to eat lunch, they didn't wash their hands. So they immediately began to find fault with them. This is a critical judgmental spirit that's always, all, you're just always looking. Can I find something wrong with somebody? Can I, can I find something to criticize? Can I find something to fuss about? That's what the Bible meant in Matthew 7 when it said, judge not. Don't have a critical attitude. Don't have a, a negative spirit that's always looking for something to criticize somebody over. We could go a little bit further in this thing. In Luke chapter 15, you're familiar, I love to quote the parable of the prodigal son where the prodigal son, was he was, he was screwed up. He was really bad. He, he was sexually immoral. He, he was just a bad guy. 
But one day when he was broken by his sin, he came home to his father and his father embraced him and loved him. But he had an older brother and the older brother was angry and said, he wasted your money on hot prostitutes and, and he's done wrong. You see, you see, the father who is the picture of God, he was just so happy to have the son back. But this older brother is a picture of a religious critical spirit that even when you turn your heart toward God, still wants to find fault and criticize and remember what you did in the past. That's what Jesus called a critical religious spirit and a judgmental spirit when he told us not to do it. However, listen, this thing gets on people, this religious critical spirit gets on people and they see the worst in people and they find fault in people and they start looking for wrong things with people. Here's a question. What does Jesus Christ see when he looks at people? How does Jesus look at people? Well, the only way to find out is look it up in the Bible. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 10. In Matthew chapter 10, and listen, I could show you this many places in Scripture. We're just going to look in Matthew chapter 10. I want you to see how Jesus looks at people. All right, Matthew chapter 10 is a great place where we see how Jesus looks at people. In Matthew chapter 10, the Bible says this. All right, I got the wrong scripture down here. And not only that, I can't even keep my Bible open because the wind's blowing so hard up here. So I tell you what, let's do. Let's go to, well, let me just quote it to you. Will you trust me that I'm telling the truth if I just quote it to you? You, you can look it up and then give me the fingers, whatever it is. Don't give me the middle finger, but give me the fingers of which one it is out there. Gotcha. All right. Now, here's what the Bible says. The Bible said that Jesus came out of the house. Gotcha. He saw the multitude, and the Bible said this, when he saw the people, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to those with him, pray that God, pray the Father will send somebody to help these people. All right, let me ask you a question. Excuse, yeah, it's Matthew 9, 36, not Matthew 10. Close enough. Listen to this. Jesus came out when he looked at the people. I want to ask you a question. Were those people just like you and me? Did they have problems? Did they have sins? Were they struggling just like you and me? But instead of a critical spirit that saw their sins and their faults, the Bible said when Jesus looked at them, he felt compassion. His heart was tender for them. And he said they seemed to him like sheep without a shepherd. What did Jesus see when he looked at people? He saw that they had needs. One of the greatest songs ever written goes like this. He looked beyond my faults and saw my needs. That's the difference between a religious spirit and the spirit of Jesus. A religious spirit's gonna find something wrong with you to criticize you for. Jesus is gonna look at you and he's gonna see your need more than he's gonna see your problem, more than he's gonna see your sin. And this is the heart of Jesus. This is the spirit of Jesus that we want to, we want to have, in our, have in our lives. So the Bible said to look with a critical eye is to change it. All right, now I'm going to ask you a question. How many of y'all rank sin? Does everybody here have a sin ranking where you like to rank sins? Like, like this is a real bad sin right here. And this is, this is not a real bad sin down here. Uh, guess what? You know what I bet? Them bad sins are somebody else's sins. And them good sins are probably your sins, not so bad sins. But this is crazy that we always rank sins. 
And we always say, well, you know, this one's really bad. This one's not too bad. You say, well, I don't think you should rank sins. Listen to me. God ranks sins. Didn't you see in the Bible where God ranks sins? Uh, All right, let's just take a minute. Let's just ask this question. uh, What's number one on your list? What would be number one sin on your list? How about child molesting? I don't know, murder? What's number one on your list? Let me ask you a question. What's number one on God's list? What do you think? Now, he ranks sins. Can't you tell by the passage we read in Matthew chapter 7 where he said, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye and you don't see the beam in your own eye? You know what a speck is, don't you? It's a piece of sawdust, a speck of sawdust. The word beam there is the word fence post. Can't you tell by him saying speck of sawdust and fence post that one's worse than the other? I mean, you know a fence post is bigger than a speck of sawdust. I'm waiting for you to blow your horns. All right, that's amen out here. Now, now we got it. It just takes a little bit here. By the way, we're on delayed time and that's why you're hearing me later. All right, listen to me. Can't you see that when he said, there's a speck in your brother's eye, a speck of sawdust in your brother's eye, but there's a fence post in your eye. Can you not tell that he thinks that the big one is worse than that? All right. How many of you know what God ranks sin number one as? You want to look this up sometime. Matter of fact, you've got your Bible. Look it up right now. Matthew chapter 6, verse 16, the Bible says this. There are seven things that God hates. Yea, the first one is, what's the worst thing he hates? A critical eye. A proud look. You know what the word proud look means? Somebody that looks down their nose at other people. You say, man, I thought it would have been murder or adultery or something like that. No, there are seven things the Lord hates. Number one is that critical, proud look that looks down its nose at other people. Sort of surprising how that our rankings differ from his ranking, isn't it? So the Bible teaches you and I in this scripture right here that when we look at that different attitude, our, our list is different like that. Now, the scripture teaches us that we've got to change this attitude. All right, dear ones, here here we're gonna cut to the chase here. You deal with people one of three ways. Everybody deals with people one of three ways. It was in the scriptures back in Jesus' day. You see it going on in our land today. And I want you to look with me in the Bible at how we deal with people. And listen, all of us, every one of us have to deal with people all the time. It doesn't matter whether you're dealing with a conflict in your family It doesn't matter whether you're walking beside somebody in the grocery store. It doesn't matter if you watch something on television. Everybody's always looking at people and dealing with people, and you're going to deal with people one of three ways. I want us to look at the classic passage in the Bible at how Jesus teaches us how to look at people and how to deal with people. It's John chapter 8. It's that great passage in the Bible. It's in John chapter 8 where Jesus tells us how to look at people and how to deal with people. Because dear ones, life just boils down to how do you deal with people? It's not about whether you're rich or poor, big house, little house, nice car, ragged car like mine. The issue is how do you deal with people? That's just what life boils down to. And this is that great passage where Jesus talks about dealing with people. And this also is the great passage where Jesus teaches me and you the difference between religion and Jesus Christ, a religious spirit and the spirit of Jesus. 
It's in John chapter 8. I want you to look at what happened in John chapter 8. Jesus went out to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him. So Jesus comes to the temple and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees, simply the ministers of that day, they brought a woman caught in adultery and set her in the midst. All right, they caught this chick living in adultery, caught her in sin, so they bring her to Jesus. And now we're going to have a confrontation here between them. And they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Right, they caught her. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. What do you say? All right, they said, look, we caught this woman in adultery, and Moses said that we can stone her. But we want to know what you say about it. How many of you know they, did, they could not care less about this woman or anything else? They're just trying to trap Jesus, which is very hard to do. So they got this woman caught, and the Bible said this. This they said, what? Testing him that they might have something of which to criticize him. Tell me what a religious spirit's always doing. It's always looking for something to criticize people over. And they're testing Jesus to see what he'll have to say. And the Bible said this. But Jesus stooped down on the ground and with his finger and he wrote as though he did not hear. So they continued asking him. That's another sign of a religious spirit. It'll pester the hell out of you till it gets what it wants. Excuse me, I shouldn't have said hell on TV. It'll pester the fire out of you till it gets what it wants. And Jesus raised up and said to them, he stood up and he said to them, he said, he who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone. What a classic answer. Jesus didn't say, forget the sin. He just said, fine, fine, go ahead and kill her. But the one who throws the stone had better be sinless. Teaching you and I this. And the Bible said he stooped down and wrote again. The Bible said when they heard it, they were convicted by their own conscience. One by one, beginning with the oldest, they walked away even to the last one. And Jesus was left alone standing there with the woman. Watch what happens. Jesus raised himself up and saw no one but the woman. And he said to her, verse 10, where are your criticizers? Where are your accusers? Where are the people that wanted to stone you? Has no one condemned you, criticized you? And she said, no one, Lord. What happens when you call him Lord? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you, neither do I judge you, neither do I criticize you go and sin no more. And then Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Boy, what a classic. This, this, is the, this is the life-changing passage right here that we as a church, we as a people, we're going to have to embrace. There's three ways you deal with people. Number one, the Bible said this, as reflected by these Pharisees here, you can deal with people as a critical spirit. You can have a critical spirit. And let me tell you something about a critical spirit. It catches you in your mistakes. It catches you in your sins. But dear ones, don't you understand? A critical spirit doesn't want to help people. A critical spirit wants to kill people because of their sins. It wants to judge people. It, it has no regard for your well-being. Yes, you sinned. Yes, you've made mistakes. All have sinned. Everybody's sinned and come short of the glory of God, the Bible says. But that religious critical spirit, instead of wanting to help you, it wants to find your faults and kill you because you made a mistake. That's this spirit. That, that's the, 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 it's so painful. Now I want to ask you a question. 
In this passage in John chapter 8, you got a woman who committed adultery. This will probably get me some emails. You got a woman who committed adultery. You got religious leaders who want to kill her and show her no mercy. Whose sin is greater? According to Matthew chapter 7, listen, what she did was sin. Jesus called it sin. But I declare to you, according to Matthew chapter 7, the minister's sin was greater because of their attitude toward her than her sin. Because Jesus said, you got a beam in your eye that wants to kill somebody, helping them get the speck out, and compared to her sin, which was wrong, theirs was the greater one. All right, that's how we deal, that's how religion often deals with people. That's why people don't want anything to do with Jesus. They've been so beat up by religious people, instead of caring about them, they just want to kill them. All right, on the other side, just as we have two groups in our nation today. We have a conservative side. We have a liberal side in our nation today. It's always been that way. That's always been the political spirit in the earth. In Jesus' day, he dealt with the same thing. The conservative side were the Pharisees. The liberal side were the Sadducees that questioned the miracles of the Bible. It's always been that way. Now, the liberal side, or the Bible, actually, the word the Bible uses is called license. Jude verse 4 says this, Men will creep in, turning the grace of God into a license and denying the truth. And the way the, the issue here is instead of killing people because of their sin, you just say there's no such thing as sin. And, and we defend sin and we encourage people, go ahead and sin and have a big time. And, and everybody should be allowed to do whatever they want to do. But it, what's the problem with that? What's the problem with that? Listen to me carefully. My nation doesn't know this. Listen to me. The wages of sin is still death. Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is pain and death and destruction. The problem with what the Bible calls sin is, it's still destroying families. It's still destroying relationships. It's still destroying people's eternities. So on one hand, you've got a critical Pharisee spirit that wants to kill people because they make mistakes instead of helping them. On the other hand, you've got a licensed spirit from the Bible. It'd be known as a liberal spirit today. This says there's no such thing as sin. Everybody should be allowed to do whatever they want to do. But then what we want is the spirit of Jesus. We want the spirit of Jesus. Now listen to the spirit of Jesus in, in, that we saw in John 8. Jesus called what she did sin. He said, this is sin. He said to her, quit sinning, sin no more. But listen to me carefully. He didn't want to kill her because of her sin. He wanted to help her. That's why he said, get up, go. You can do better than this. There's a better life. Don't you understand, just as he told the woman at the well who was the town whore, she'd slept with everybody in town. Jesus told her, listen to what he said to her. This life will never give you what your heart's looking for. But if you'll let me come into your life, you'll find what your heart is looking for. And he said to the woman, he said, sin no more but start over and let's live a better life. I want you to have the best life possible. I want you to enjoy your life and this is not the way you do it. So of the three ways we deal with people, here's what the Bible said. Jesus brought hope to the woman's life. Jesus brought hope in there. Now I'm gonna to quote to you from scripture who Jesus really, you say, well, is Jesus conservative or is Jesus liberal? Jesus don't take nobody's side, son. He came to take over. He didn't come to take somebody's side. Listen to me carefully. Here's what the Bible said in John 1:14. And the word became flesh, and we beheld his glory, full of what? Love 
and truth. Dear ones, love without truth will kill you. You'll kill yourself. Truth without love will beat you to death. Love and truth is the only thing that can set people free today. Love and truth is the only thing a family can be propped up on today. Love and truth together, you gotta have both, is the only thing that a nation can be built strong on. Jesus is the love of God manifest at the cross. Jesus is the truth of God that points us to a way that leads to life. That's our deliverance, so great. All right, let me show you one more thing. I want you to turn back a minute to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Let me show you one more thing. By the way, let me, can I help you a little bit here with your, uh, if those of you that are in counseling, let me help you a little bit. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, he said, judge not that you be not judged. Verse 2, he said this, for with the same judgment you judge, it will be judged to you. With the same criticism you use, you will be criticized. All right, let me point out what the scripture teaches here. If you let that critical spirit speak through you about people, that critical spirit will always be speaking to you about you. You ever heard of low self-esteem? I understand we have a problem in this nation with low self-esteem. You know where it comes from? If you esteem others lowly, that critical spirit will cause you to esteem yourself lowly. Have you ever met somebody just saw the worst in people? I mean, they, everybody's rotten. The young'uns are going to the dogs. Even the dogs are going to the dogs. Everybody's bad. Everybody's rotten. What do you always notice about those people? They're down on themselves too. Because when you beat people up, that same spirit's going to beat you up on the inside. That's why he said, don't judge, don't criticize. It'll come back on your head. He who rolls a stone will have it roll back on him. Proverbs says, he who digs a hole will be the first one to fall in it. Quit beating people up so you can quit beating yourself up. All right, here's what the Bible says for us to do in Matthew chapter five. The Bible said this, excuse me, Matthew chapter seven. Matthew chapter seven, the scripture tells us concerning this, this fence post stuff. He said, ditch the fence post, doc. He said, Get, remove the beam from your eye what does it mean, remove the beam from your eye? Get rid of that critical spirit. Get, get the thing out of your life. Why is it important to get a critical spirit out of our lives? Now watch this, read that scripture right there. Remove the critical spirit, the beam from your own eye, and then you can see clearly to get the speck out of your brother's eye. You'll never help anybody if you've got a critical spirit. You'll never get the speck out of anybody's eye. You can't even help your own children if you've got a critical spirit. You can't help other people. You can't serve people. You can't be a blessing to people. Can you see clearly from verse five, if that beam stays in your eye, you will never help anybody get the speck out of their eye. I think that's why preachers today are so ineffective. If you've got a critical spirit, you can't help anybody. What did Jesus say? Get that, get that fence post out of your eye and then you will be used of me to help other people get their own lives straightened out. A critical spirit's never going to help anybody. It's just going to beat people up. And not only that, they're going to run from you too. Don't you just love to sit down with somebody that's whining all the time? Answer's no. Jesus said, get the critical spirit out so you can see clearly to help other people. So dear ones, listen, we need to repent of this critical spirit. We need to get it out of our lives, get it out of our homes. Our nation has been seduced by a critical spirit right now where we're loving to find fault with one another and see the worst in one another, we're gonna damn and destroy this nation if we don't quit beating each other up. And we're, we're killing each other with this critical spirit. All right, here's what we need to pray. Father, 
if I have this critical spirit where I see the worst in people and I love to catch people and I love to see their thoughts, I ask you to forgive me and help me, help me to get off people's backs. Everybody right there where you're seated in your car, say this with me. Help me to get off other people's backs. All right. On the other hand, on the other hand, if we have that licensed spirit that nothing's wrong, everybody should be able to do anything they feel like. I just love everybody. I just love everybody. No, you don't. You don't love people. The Bible said in 1 Corinthians 13, love never rejoices in iniquity, but it only rejoices in the truth. If you don't love truth, you don't love people. Listen, this, this, we love everybody, do whatever you want to do. You're going to destroy people like that. If that's the case, you don't need to pray, help me to get off people's back. You need to pray, help me to take your word seriously. Help me to come back to the truth of God. And we need to get, Jesus said, get that out of you so you can help people. The Bible uh, teaches you and I, a church will never, a church will never be able to help the people in their city and in their community unless it has compassion and truth. A critical church will never help anybody. There'll just be a bunch of folks sitting around fussing. A licensed church can't help anybody. Heck, they've got that, and it's killing them. We need to be both. So I want to make an announcement about this church. And there's two things I want to say about this church. Number one, we're not going to deny sin. We're going to call it what it is. It's not because we're mad about anything. It's because we care about people. I, I'm not, I'm not going to allow sin in my church and in my life for the same reason I don't want a flaming rattlesnake crawling around in my house. You understand that? Demons, rattlesnakes will kill you. Can I get away? I don't witness. Don't blow your horn. Rattlesnakes will kill you. But here's the point. Sin will kill you. So we're going to call sin what it is. But listen to me carefully. And this is an official announcement right here. You don't get to decide what sin is. You can blow your horn about that. Go ahead. Can I get a witness? Go ahead. Amen. All right, thank you. Now, I like that. All right, here's the deal. So you say, well, then who gets to decide what sin is? Do you get to decide? No, I'm not going to touch something like that. I got good news for you. God wrote a book. He wrote this book years ago. And in this book is what sin is. And let me make an announcement. There's 10 of them, not 14, not 23, not 105. There's 10 of them. It's called the top 10 for my friend. All right, you got me? I'm going to make an announcement. If it don't fall under those 10, the 10 commandments, get off of it, doc. Listen, listening to country music is not sin. All right, you, listen, in some churches it is. Not in this one. Yeah, yeah, matter of fact, you, I mean, we're listening to a country radio station. You're listening to me on country radio station right now. And I just want to say thank you to the Maverick. If you're going to go to heaven, you need to listen to the Maverick 95.1 if you live in this part of the world. So thank you for broadcasting. All right, listen to me. It is what the Bible says only. Yeah. It's what the Bible says only. Besides, if you was to throw everybody out of this church and listen to country music, you'd have to throw your preacher out first because I like it and listen to it all the time. Here's the point. Wearing blue jeans to church on Easter Sunday is not in the top 10, my friend. Listening to country music is not in it. Let's stick with what the Bible says. So this church is not going to design sin. But listen to me on the other hand. Number two, we're not going to have a Pharisee spirit either. 
and not have a critical spirit, and we're not going to look at people for an excuse to hurt them. We're going to have compassion on people. We're going to look at people like Jesus looks at people, and we're going to look beyond their faults and see their needs. And we want to be like Jesus, who when he looked at the multitude, he was moved with compassion for them. Because, dear ones, people really are like sheep who need a shepherd. People don't need to be beat up. They need help. And we're going to see people like that. And, and bottom line is, let me tell you something. We're, we're not just going to love you here. I've been told that all my life by religious people. We love you, Brother Brian, but, but. And then they start beating a tar out of you. We're not just going to love you here. Let me tell you something. We're going to like people here. We're going to actually like people here. We're going to cheer for people here. I want, listen, God wants people to make it. He gave his son so people could have abundant life. Listen, he's not looking for somebody to mess up so he can kill them. If that's the case, we'd all be dead by now. He's trying to help people. And our goal here is to help people and cheer for people. And I want to make an announcement. If you fall down, we're not going to beat you up. We're going to pick you up. And every little step you make closer to Jesus, every step you make on the way to progress, we're going to cheer for you because you made a better step. We're not going to fuss because you're not up to this level yet. You just keep walking toward Jesus. We're going to cheer for you. And if you throw up on yourself, we're going to clean you up. You throw up on me, it's going to be a different matter. Throw up on yourself, we're going to clean you up. If you fall down, we're going to pick you up. Our goal is to see you walk straight. That's all we're here for. All right, let me, let me make an announcement and explain this thing to you. We got three children. I love every one of them dearly. Well, when our kids were born, when they started out, I mean, you know you must be born again. There's a time to be born. And usually when you're born, you don't walk all that well. Do you understand what I'm saying here? The Bible said we're born again. We're born in the spirit. We come to Jesus, have a new birth. And then it says in the Bible, walk ye like he walked. We want to learn to walk like Jesus walked, treating people like he did. But let me make an announcement. Between being born and when you can walk real good, there's usually a little gap in there. Can I get, well, I don't witness to me. There's a little gap in there. Now listen to me. We're here to help people walk, not to beat them up because they can't walk straight. All right. It came time for my youngest to walk, all three of them. And uh, we were wanting them to walk. I don't know why we wanted them to walk. When they started walking, we'd tell them to sit down. I don't know everybody's so excited about their kids walking. So we, we're helping them walk. And I can remember the first time, and especially my son, because my son was a little chunky. He a little chunkier than the girls were. So it came time for him to walk. And mama's, mama's got him over here, and I'm over here on the other side. And, and she said, take off. And he sort of looked like the, sort of looked like the, you know, the, the Goodyear blimp waving in the wind up there. And he's sort of waddling, and, and he, <laughs> bless his heart, I think he put his right foot out and he fell down. And mom said, oh, he walked, he walked, he walked. Call her grandparents, he walked. Well, she was so excited because the boy made one step and then he fell down. Well, my goodness. <laughs> now, listen, a lot of religious people would have said, if he can't do no better than that, send him back to the hospital. Just take him back. We don't want him. We're not going to do that. We just said, listen, you can't. You have to give people time to learn how to walk straight. Some of us takes longer than the others. I'm still working on it. You know, eventually the boy got to where he could not only walk good, he could run. And then he ended up running cross country in high school. That's pretty good to go from one step, bust your head, to running cross country in high school. Do you know what? It's because we cheered for him. Because we wanted him to make it. We wanted him to do well. I want to make an announcement. We are for people in this place. 
We want people to have good families. We want people to do well. We want people to make it here. If you fall down, we want to pick you up and start you over. We're not going to kill you because you fall. We want you to make it here. The resurrection is about coming alive from the dead. We were dead at one time, and Jesus brought us back to life and gives us plenty of opportunity to get there. Listen. Our deal is to be more like Jesus and less like the Pharisees and help people make it. All right, friend, here's the deal. How about let's get the, let's get the fence post out of our eyes so we can help this world get the sawdust out of theirs. And let's repent and then let's live to help people. I don't know where you're at today in your own personal life. I, I don't know if you're visiting here for the first time. Maybe you, maybe you was on the way to New Orleans and saw this crowd and thought it was giving away free food and you got pulled in and now you're trapped here. I don't know. But either way, I'm glad you're here and we're thankful that you're with us today. But I want to ask every person that's here, is the resurrection a reality in your life? Is Jesus real to you? Has the Jesus that rose from the grave years ago risen in your heart? Simple yes or no. Nothing else matters. This is not a, this is not a holiday. Listen, that, this is not a holiday that we celebrate. This is the only thing that matters in life. There's only one big decision you make in your life. What am I gonna do with Jesus? And we're gonna give you a chance right now on this Easter morning, we're gonna give you an opportunity to make a decision today to let the Jesus who rose from the grave come in your heart. Listen, he loves you. He died for you. He died so you could live. And he came out of the grave to give you life. And I'm going to give you a chance right now. If you're sitting in a car here, if you're watching on TV, if you're online, if you're listening on the radio, here's your chance right here. If you want Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, if you want to be in the family of God, have your sins forgiven and cleansed and start over, we're going to pray a simple prayer this morning. And I want to make an announcement. Jesus said this, whoever... Whoever comes to me, I will never cast away. I don't care if you're a preacher, a prostitute, a pickle farmer, a pig farmer, a podiatrist. It don't matter what you are. I mean, whoever means whoever. I don't care where you've been or what you've done. Jesus is reaching out to you this morning. I want you to call on his name. Let's pray together. I want you to say this with me right here if you want to pray. Dear Jesus, I believe you rose from the dead in great power. I believe you died for my sins, but you rose from the grave. And I come to you today and I ask you to forgive me all my sins. I ask you to come into my heart, dear Jesus. I ask you to take over my life. I want to be cleansed. I want to be new. I want to know you. Dear Jesus, I give my life to you today. I want to follow you. I don't understand it, but I believe what your word says and I'm following you today. Here's my life, Jesus. Take over. From this day forward, you are my Lord, my Savior, and the love of my life. I'm going to follow you, Jesus. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for caring for me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for speaking to me. And I make this prayer in the name of Jesus Christ, the strong Son of God. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.